0: And welcome to the 33rd episode of Project Studio Tea Break. So it is. I am Mike Senior. And I have been a very good boy this year. Oh. Unlike, as I understand it, my co-host John (laughs) Witten. No, it's true. I am quite the (laughs) baddest and naughtiest and edgiest and most leather jacket owning of the um, Project Studio Tea Break hosts. And I'm sure I'll be made to pay for that come the 25th. (laughs) What particular virtues have you shone through with this year, Mike? For the most part, I've just been glued to Spotify for the last (laughs) age. Me too. So those of you who are (laughs) loyal listeners, and I I don't imagine we have any other kind, Mm. will know that this is the week of Mike's wonderfully proposed Grammy challenge, where we pick who we think should win from the nominees of the 2021 Grammys. Mm. And I have never in my (laughs) life felt more in touch with what music is being made (laughs) at the moment i I would recommend this game slash masochistic challenge to any and everyone (laughs) never have you been so up to date on modern bluegrass oh completely now i think one of the fundamental difficulties for me Mm. was the difficulty of trying to distinguish between the tracks i like the most Mm. and the ones i think are actually going to win yeah because of the overriding importance of whooping your ass (laughs) (laughs) oh dear oh dear see i've been tempted to lean to uh which should win mm. you know if everyone were as clever and smart as me <laughs> then let us begin to get into the categories because I think we ought to I mean certainly this issue of which one you would want to win or that you really like and which one will win I mean it definitely kicks off with record of the year for me okay let's start there because pretty easily my favorite record of this list hmm. is the Dua Lipa don't start now which is oh just funky as hell it's <laughs> fabulously arranged it's like produced by josh goodwin who's mm. basically the fifth bieber if you want to <laughs> look at it that way um but also that black pumas song colors yeah is oh it's fabulous and, and there's a live version that's brilliant too i actually managed to listen to some other stuff i'm impressed you've managed to listen to anything off your reading list um <laughs> this month but my congratulations so don't start now is your favorite hands down no problem no issue i've just love that track it's one of my favorite songs of the year it has a bass line which rocks the whole world Mm. and there is a youtube bassist this was one of my rabbit holes (laughs) called julia plays groove who does a bass cover of that song oh wow and i mean first of all you've got to be fairly confident in your abilities to do a bass cover of that song yes but just absolutely nails it. And one of these weird things where this new version she created made me love the original even more. It basically reminded you of which were the bits that you like throughout the whole song because those are the bits that are put into the arrangement. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I agree with you an absolute bang of a track but I, I felt a but and although coming. Well, the although is that I think probably Megan the Stallion or Post Malone are probably going to win mm. or maybe Beyonce's Black Parade. I mean, that's got its finger on the political pulse. What do you think of Black Parade? as a song. I think it's a strong message, but... On a completely missable tune Right It doesn't fire me up at all I just think Okay Just take the music out And, and shout the lyrics at me And that'll make the same message mm. <laughs> See okay I took a different impression I think it's musically interesting Oh, Okay right You know there's some Interesting modal stuff there She's playing with this Genre of trap Like the, the sub bass And normally the hi hats And they've got some sort of Shaker up there mm. As any song with 30 composers will be It's like <laughs> layers and layers and layers There's a brass band horn arrangement That just sits really low in the mix comes in two or three times okay there's these fun flute lines and i mean she's done it before countdown is full of marching band brass and single ladies is full of flutes yeah because i have you down as a bit of a beyonce fanboy so i (laughs) can see how the problem is i came to the same conclusion that you did (laughs) oh right okay so it didn't even work on the diehards it's a fascinating song to think about yes (laughs) but kind of in a similar way that I don't know. A mantelpiece clock might be fascinating to take apart. Once you've put it together, <laughs> yeah, it's just sort of a mantelpiece clock. Yeah. So no, that one's not got my vote. So I think overall, I think my money would be on Megan Thee Stallion because she's a new artist. And also, more to the point, she's a new artist and they haven't acknowledged the elephant in the room here, which is WAP. Because WAP doesn't get a single nod. Now, how is that not anywhere on this list? Exactly. How is that not on there? I mean, there are a couple of others I thought maybe slipped down the back of the sofa as well. I wondered whether dance monkey should have been in somewhere. Oh, interesting. Because I think that was eligible. And also one of my favourite songs of the year that I think no one else got was Selena Gomez's Uh, Lose you to love me. Yeah, you know, I gained an appreciation of it after chatting with you about it but like after i drubbed you around the head with it there you go it's the way that you learn to love a weird food it's not the um oh no you know what we're both in the perfect country for this it's the way you learn to love german food it's never gonna excite you per se but you can get used to kind of the soft unremarkable comfort of it that's what i think of lose you to love me i want to know though because you gave a special shout out to circles where i post malone tell me what you liked about that And why? Well, the thing is, I think this might be Post Malone's year. Okay, okay. Because he got kind of looked over the last couple of years. Mm. And in the last year, he's had like Sunflower off the Spider-Man soundtrack. He's had um, Wow. He's had Circles. Mm. So I wonder whether this might be the time when he he gets several awards. Mm. But this is where Megan Thee Stallion slightly... Pipped him to the post for me because she's been such a strong contender with WAP and with Savage And they haven't even given the nod to WAP And the fact that it was Megan Thee Stallion's brand new artist Who got Beyoncé on board I can't think of the last time that it was, you know, someone you've never heard of Feet Someone massive. Yeah. Someone massive feet. Someone you've never heard of is the dynamic. And I also weight it highly on the daughter scale. Oh, yeah? Because my younger daughter started using the word ratchet in conversation (laughs) as a result of this song. Fantastic to hear. So I think the permeation into the youth culture must be... Is impressive. Mm. All right, well, for myself... I will say I can't stand circles. <laughs> okay, <laughs> really, really can't. I love the backing; it's quite Bowie-ish. Yeah, for me, it's when you've got that four to minor four. Yes, but you're right. Just God, I wish the melody could stand up to it. Oh yeah, it could be such an interesting song, but the vocal melody is wallpaper pasted dull. Yes, you can tell that they knew that <laughs> because if you if you just kind of listen to the vocal line. Yeah. Then between. Oh, I don't know. Double tracking, automated reverb levels, chorus, different things. It changes throughout every single line as if yeah. the one thing they're horrified of you doing... Is just listening to the tune (laughs) This constant distraction Yeah Look at this My honourable mention Also goes to Doja Cat For Say So Yeah Yeah I was thinking that Because It's the only song I've ever heard The entire chorus And verse vocal melody Of which Is harmonised In Perfect fourths. Yes How interesting How different But at the same time It pulls from like That Japanese funk revival That Plastic Love started Which Mm. is absolutely my jam But do you think then It would have been better In the song of the year category For the songwriting You know what Actually yeah Yeah I do Okay then what's your final choice then it's going to be savage absolutely no doubt no. okay yeah. but this is a neat segue because the song i really really want to win song of the year is again the duo lippa number oh really and it's because the chorus melody goes hmm 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 I really want a one note melody to win song of the year (laughs) And then it would just be brilliant And it brought up a question This is is a kind of aside What are the copyright implications of having a song that has one note like that? I mean is that melody even copyrightable? Are they going to start suing Morse code operators? Because presumably they could at this stage (laughs) Or sue anyone who's uh, singing the liturgy (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Absolutely, those psalm singers have got away with it far too long. (laughs) That reminds me, I I played the saxophone when I was very young Mm. and I really liked the Beatles. And so I got a Play Along with the Beatles book one year, which was really exciting. Oh, great. It taught me a lot about pop vocal melody because, of course, the saxophone parts were the vocal parts. And the first one I happened to turn to was Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band. All right. For those of you who can't bring that song immediately to mind, it begins, It was 27 years ago to play they've been going in and out of style and they're guaranteed to rage and just seeing this like string of the same notes yeah <laughs> almost a page of this book and I can only imagine that there is someone this Christmas who will have that equivalent experience with a Player Long a Leaper. Oh, gosh. And yeah. I'm so excited yeah. for them to get to this funky, incredible song, Don't Start Now, <laughs> and just realize that it's Morse code. But I did also like um, <laughs> HER's I Can't Breathe. Oh, so yeah, if we're fully onto Song of the Year, then I think that that is. I'll say that's my winner. Oh, it's tricky because, again, it's this issue of what you want to win. Because I'd want it to win in some respects. Mm. But I think Post Malone will be the dull choice. Mm. But I'm actually going to put my money on Don't Start Now, actually, for it. Oh, wow. I so want it to win. And it was such a big tune last year. See, I would have put that on record of the year before I would have put that on song of the year. Interesting. Okay. If you imagined a talented 16-year-old with a guitar performing one of these songs, yeah. I think Don't Start Now would be nothing yeah. you know, without that bass line yeah. and some incredibly tight, smooth, lovely vocal production. Yeah, yeah. But H.E.R.'s I Can't Breathe is really good. And again... Super topical. Absolutely on the on the money. What really interested me about I Can't Breathe is its kind of combination of bleeding-edge lyrics, but music that felt very quotative. I, I swear to God that the string part is just a quote from Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone by Bill Withers. Oh, wow. It's the old R&B move of going in a major key from the three chord to the flat three chord to the two chord before your five one. Yeah. The bass track by itself is worth listening to. It's a well put together song. Yeah. What did you think of the spoken verse? I mean, I thought it was pretty impressive. Mm. I mean, I think there were quite a few artists this year that were blending, like rapping and singing at the same time. Yeah. Going across the boundary and back and forth between those two things and doing it really well. Mm. And I thought she was one of them in that respect. Yeah. I just loved, loved her voice. It was incredibly uncomfortable for me. Oh, right. Wow. Because the first two-thirds of the song, you could listen to them and let them just wash over you. Ah. Because while there were plenty of references for those paying attention, it could also just sort of be a love song. Yeah. You know, listen to four words out of five and and you're there. And then she just starts orating. And it's difficult. Yeah. Because I don't go to music for politics and for civil rights and for human rights. Right. And I found the... thought coming up in my own head that oh, why do they have to bring politics into music and i was like oh wow hello this is why this is important i was just about to say i mean actually doesn't that make it more powerful even a good liberal boy like me yeah has internalized that it's apolitical to stay silent yeah rather than that in itself being a political move so yeah i hope it wins for that reason alone because mm. it's enough to make you uncomfortable and maybe it should yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think there were some disappointing bits in Song of the Year as well for me. Oh, yeah? I mean, Billie Eilish, I thought, was missable, unfortunately. She was doing stuff Lana Del Rey had done. Yeah. But Lana Del Rey had done better. <laughs> um, yeah, no, nothing Nothing about that. The J.P. Sachs one with Julia Michaels. Julia Michaels is one of my favourite songwriters. And again, it was a bit, yeah. No, wait, was that If the World Was Ending? Yeah. I'm going to hate myself here, but it should be If the World Were ending but that but you know that's not (laughs) that's not the point Uh, (laughs) would that the world were ending yes (laughs) were it to be the case i loved it i loved it oh wow cool honestly for me that was the one that best passed the test of like a reasonably talented sixteen year old playing it on guitar. Okay. It just gives me shivers and goosebumps. And Okay. I think it's got kind of Goo Goo doll's DNA in it, and whoever did um Stay Tonight and Fight the Break of Dawn. Um Eagle Eye Cherry. All that's just me trying yes. to rationalise the fact that it that it makes me have goosebumps and I love listening to it. Sometimes you just get a visceral reaction with a song and that it just connects. Completely. That was the experience. That makes me want to go back and have a listen, because inevitably when you're kind of trawling through like fifty different tracks, yep. you wonder whether you're just getting fatigue with them yes I mean maybe it's because I came with such high expectations I came with the expectations of like issues and things right and then it was something different I came with none at all right halfway through my categories I started listening from the bottom up rather than the top down and just the way they were listed on the Grammy website yeah because I realised I was always a bit tired by track four or five ooh clever and that maybe they weren't getting a fair crack of the whip (laughs) either that or I hadn't heard anything I really liked by halfway down and I started being much more accommodating yeah being like hey the guitar sounded in tune yeah sure <laughs> i thought the taylor swift I, i've never liked cardigan very much oh no it's a bit dull no though the line dancing in your levi's drunk under a street light yes great i just love that kind of impressionist poetry i love americana yes so honorable mention to that lyric but nothing much besides um okay so we, we're gonna make some decisions here mike song of the year this year will go to well i'm giving it to Lippa. I'm going to put my money on it, and I think this might be a risky move, but that's what I'm going for. Okay, I'm going to give it to I Can't Breathe. A worthy candidate, I would say. Right, which should we go to now? Well, I think Album of the Year is next on the list, I would say. It's next on my notes, that works. Limited scrolling. And I would love to give this to black pumas really it's such a funky sounding record and i love the way he <laughs> sings yeah it's just totally my cup of tea that was top of the middle for me okay right there were two that kind of jumped out at me and some that i i didn't get past like a couple of tracks in mm-hmm. what did you think of Chalombo? honestly i'm really bored with the kind of <laughs> Auto-tune, ah. autopilot R&B sound. Yeah. And I, it felt like that to me. I'm kind of with you. I... I mean, it's been big, though. It was, it was number two in the US was that album. Really? Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to bet against it, except that I think this is the one that, of all of them, has to go to Post Malone. I think if you just look at it as a popularity contest, I can't see how you could give it to anyone else. And we know the award shows love to send someone home with an armful, just because that makes for a great shot. Yes, you know it does. And I think you've got a very good instinct and it's not even worth defending... Chilombo to me made me think of buttered bread, which is a which is a dish that I absolutely love. Okay, <laughs> the reason you would enjoy buttered bread, yes, never has anything to do with the butter. It's if you've got a nice like walnut and olive loaf. It's if you've got like some hmm. good rye or some really tangy sourdough. Mm. The beats are fun and they're interesting, and so long as you can just sort of accept that the vocals are just there because it's difficult to sell albums full of like R and B beats. <laughs> so basically, what you're trying to Say, is this an instrumental record with vocal accompaniment? Vocally ruined by someone else. With a side dish of vocals. (laughs) Exactly. A garnish. Oh, wait. I think Post Malone. Not only is that a sensible choice, it's also, it would not be an undeserving album. It's a good album. He's just done a lot of really great work. As much as I would like to give it to Coldplay, just to honour the novelty of Chris Martin swearing on record for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) That that, that was quite a thing. Yeah. I I hadn't heard that that was coming and it was... Mm. Gosh, it was a bit jarring. And props to Jacob Carlier as well for getting on. Although, I have to say again, I think I'm too involved in the acapella scene not to be bored of that hyper-multi-tracked vocal sound these days. Yeah. And the kind of deeply jazz-infused more notes than they know what to do with harmonies see it's impossible to talk about Jacob Collier because he does so many of the things that I would love to do and has so many of the things that I want and so to speak <laughs> with him without it just coming out as bitterness and jealousy which I'm sure there's plenty of is impossible Yeah. I will just say that I'm so glad that he got his armful of Grammys last year mm. I think we really shouldn't be giving this sort of thing any more attention for the foreseeable future <laughs> sent him away to go and figure something else out because it's Unlistenable. That whole album, mm. I really tried because I thought there's going to be something cool and fun in there, but it's yeah. not. It was a good song that then had 30 hours of production done to it. I mean, they should have called the album more vocals. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if that album wins the, the album of the year, I'm going to declare the entire Grammys kind of invalid right. and just not accept any of that other result. What did you think about Haim? Oh, one sec. <laughs> Let me scroll through my notes until I find <laughs> out. Because, you see, I have a theory about Heim. Mm. You see, I've followed at least three Heim records. Yeah. And I have a theory that this is a group, because they're three sisters, Mm. that there's a record company executive somewhere who really, really wants the concept of three sisters in a group to work when it doesn't. Just (laughs) every time I hear one of those records, it it sounds like it's trying so hard to make this work when it doesn't feel like the material's there. Mm. I had one of my most in-depth listens to that album Right And I started out just thrilled Partly because I think Women in Music Part 3 Is an incredible name for a third album For an all-female group (laughs) Yes Because I saw it and I was like Wait a minute Have they actually put a compilation of I don't know Tina Turner and Nina Simone Nina Simone Into album of the (laughs) What the hell? What tokenism? Yeah. But I was bested by their practical joke and it got a very proper listen. And at first, I really enjoyed their range. Yeah. There are a lot of kind of Seattle, Los Angeles, female-led garage bands like Best Coast and and Hop Along and Dark, Dark, Dark that I love. Mm. And so this sounded like that. This was like garage, but in like a bit of an upgraded garage, a a two-car garage music. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then you get to a track like 3AM, which is like techno chill like dream hop like apple or, or, or something mm. and then every new track is almost a new genre and you start to wonder do they have any where they're going with this is there anything at the middle of it or is this just striking out in different directions i wonder whether this might be a proof that you can have too much production <laughs> I, are we still talking about jacob collier <laughs> um... yes yeah, so, i mean this album list could be the too much production album list, couldn't it? <laughs> probably work with coldplay too to be honest i don't know i haven't even to be honest i didn't even listen to the coldplay record because i thought no i don't even want to go there i went over a couple couple of the tracks right which was plenty for me just to catch the novelty just to hear the swearing okay then so what's your pick then what are you going to be nailed down to my album of the year this year is future nostalgia. This is where I think Dua Lipa is going to come through. Oh, wow. Okay. I wish she would, but I just think Post Malone's going to take it. Look, if I were a weaker-willed man, having heard your rationale, (laughs) I might have been tempted to waver. You see, this is why you had to write things down beforehand, to keep yourself on the straight and narrow. Do you remember Little Boots? Yes. Okay, so for me... Dua Lipa is a Little Boots, but with good album tracks. Ah, right. Because that was where Little Boots totally lost me. You know, I, I still enjoy the singles, but I've got no time for the album tracks. Yeah. But Dua Lipa, it, it's a sol- like it's a journey. It's a good chunk of songs it would maybe mean, i'm underestimated because i've not investigated enough of the album tracks it's worth doing they, they complement the singles they really do right okay all of that said if i had to bet on you or me for this <laughs> particular topic but you know what we're gonna nail our colors to the mast you never know okay the last of the big four okay best new artist yeah now you see this is usually my favorite category in the in the grammys and it was this year as well because there was so much good stuff in here oh okay and The thing that I loved about this category Mm -hmm. was that anyone who rapped in this category didn't do it through autotune. Which shows that the tide may be turning. Not a single one. And I hope that means that there's a tide change happening. Oh, God, me too. That's going to finally wipe out all these boring as hell <laughs> autotune rappers and it was great I mean I loved Chica I loved D Smoke mm. I just thought they were brilliant both of them mm-hmm. and would have been absolutely killed by any kind of autotune stuff yes but it didn't go near there the, the, I'll tell you k Trinada bored the hell out of me oh god yeah that was the nadir of my new artists <laughs> listening in fact Kay Trinada my notes were you're the one the name of the track you're the one mm. yawn <laughs> Chances, yawn. 10%. Yawn. It takes more than a groove to stand out in this company. Okay yes. That was the subtitle of my notes for that artist. Now did you get a chance to have a listen to tracks besides Savage from Megan? Um I think I listened to a couple of others. Yes. How did they strike you? I thought they were all right, Mm. but they didn't strike me nearly as much as Chica and D Smoke. Right. I thought they were genuinely fresh and exciting sounds to me. Yeah. Chica in particular was brilliant. Yeah. It was fabulous writing and performing, great voice, and that gospel choir in Songs About You. (laughs) oh i mean the, the backing production and everything was just so brilliantly done mm. you know if i could give the award based on which one i think is really the most exciting new artist i was gonna ask. i would give it to chica every day okay see i also have one that i wish would win and one that i think's gonna win okay and i knew when i picked it that this would not be yours oh right because the artist i really want to win is ingrid andres oh because she was also a standout for me oh wow okay i listened to the first 10 seconds of more hearts than mine yep and i thought oh god okay there's nothing here why are people still doing this yes how very boring and i was ready to skip and then she started singing and i was like oh see i haven't heard that voice since carrie underwood that's interesting yeah Carrie Underwood's name gets you a long way with me. So I kept listening and I was so glad I did because we've got mainstream country again. And what makes it country more than anything else? It's not the steel slide. It's the clever, interesting lyrics. And it's this broader sense of aspiration than money and sex. Like one of my categories was one of the rap categories and the amount of songs saying the same things about how I am rich, I Mm. am violent, I'm Mm. strong, and I am very good at doing sex Mm. and it's fine but it's so individualistic and this is just one of those songs in the country tradition which has a clever title that makes you wonder and then a punchline a, a reveal a give yeah and so it's called more hearts than mine On one of the choruses goes, So if I bring you home to mama, I guess I better warn you, she falls in love a little faster than I do. And my dad will check your tires, pour your whiskey over ice, and buy you dinner, but pretend that he don't like you. Yeah. Um, You know, I'll be fine if you leave me, but you'll be breaking more hearts than mine. Yeah. I'm all shivery. Shall I read you my notes from it? No, do, do. My notes were, Genuinely brought a tear to my eye. Right. While hoovering. (laughs) It's a brilliant, brilliant lyric. It was genuinely wiping a tear away from my eye while I was hoovering. But the, the fantasy it's selling is so rich and full, and it has a cast of characters. Her younger sister gets in there. And how quickly she gets the huge amount of information in there. Mm. I And the thing is, I listened to it the second time. I really appreciated the first verse, because... You don't know quite where she's going. Mm. She's just talking about, oh, yeah, we're getting ready to go see my folks, basically. Mm-hmm. And the the lightest pencil sketches that told a huge amount about the picture. Mm. Like saying, oh, do pack a shirt because you might need it when we go to church. <laughs> There's so many <laughs> fabulous little details like that that, you know, in the smallest moment, tells you a huge backstory in one go. Speaks volumes. Oh. So to me, in the same way that Cholombo is buttered bread... Yes. Ingrid Andress is smoked salmon on a cracker. <laughs> there is nothing special about the backing. Are you sure it's not like pulled pork? You know what? It's pulled pork on a, <laughs> on a fluffy white bun. You are so, so right. You're not eating it for the bun. The backing could... Have just as well been, I don't know, chords played on a keyboard with one of those auto accompaniment things turned on. Mm. But the song is just beautiful. Mm. I love her so much that I don't even mind that she covered Don't Start Now. Did you hear that? Oh, I didn't oh that's hysterical it's awful I must check that out it's Don't Start Now but without a baseline, without the good bits basically any <laughs> of the good bits and it puts the light to me personally that Don't Start Now could possibly be Song of the Year ah uh, yeah okay okay right a Song of the Year should be coverable I don't need to argue with you just listen to this <laughs> exactly <laughs> and then you go yeah yeah it's a fair cop governor kind of thing the beauty of this country music game is that the title should seem to me the opposite of what it winds up meaning so when I read More Heart than mine mm. it seems to be a song about a player or someone with many loves or you know you'll break more hearts yeah fine yes but actually it's about you know family and togetherness and community and it's just so f- gorgeous Yeah, i think the line that got me in the end oh yeah was when it said when you leave me my dad will pour me whiskey over ice and pretend he never liked you <laughs> oh <laughs> no. i know oh. the thing is there's so many layers to that it's like the whole way through she's been saying that he pretends he doesn't like you, showing that he did like you. Oh. And that then you get to that, and you get that kind of double thing of him pretending not to like him, even though he did, to make you feel better. It's like, oh, the, oh, the deck. it's so good. Oh, we're getting old, one or the other. It's just fabulous. So, so, those are the ones we want to win. Okay, right. So, where's your money, then? Megan Thee Stallion, because I'm not confident she's going to get record and she needs something. It's got to be her. She has to be recognised. The only other alternative I would say is that maybe they might give Megan Thee Stallion record of the year and the Doja Cat might get new artist. I wonder, I don't feel like the rest of her output outside of singles has got as much interest. Oh, but in which case you've never seen the video for Moo. You know, you're absolutely (laughs) right, I haven't. I think I should. It is an indelible piece of culture, I think is perhaps the best way to describe it. Are you warning people away from it or sending them to it? It is actually a genuinely disturbing watch. Okay, I'll check that out. It's a video that she kind of did entirely homebrew on her phone or whatever, and it looks it. Yeah. And it seems to be... A conceit of c- comparing herself to a cow okay it's very very disturbing you can't unsee it once you've seen it okay I, I look forward to checking that out but so is your vote gonna go for her on this or is it gonna stay with Megan I'm with you on Megan the stallion I think this of all the categories yeah is the one I'd expect her to get Mm-mm. if you just look at it as the popularity contest she should have it yes and if only because of WAP okay that makes sense so now that we've got the big four yeah yeah let's home in on the two technical ones. Okay. I mean these are our home territory more yours than mine it's got to be said (laughs) there was plenty of googling going on in castle witten well i mean a lot of these records you won't necessarily have heard of Mm. and actually in a sense i was surprised to some extent some of the records that didn't make it on that were in the other listings oh interesting like i thought actually that again the black pumas record i thought sounded great Mm. and that didn't make it in but anyway bringing it down to who did make it in Yes. There was the obligatory Beck record, of course. It seems like every Beck record needs to go into the best engineered albums category. And it's won the last two times he's been in. I had to check that I was on the 2021 Grammy nominations <laughs> when I saw his name pop up. Yeah. So it's like, God, not again. <laughs> but if you discount that one, because I want to discount that one, because I don't want him to win again. All right, It's pretty much a grudge match between Sean Everett and Gary Pachosa. Oh, OK. What's your thinking there? Well, Sean Everett is the Devin Gilfillian and Brittany Howard records mm-hmm. and Gary Pachosa is the Katie Pruitt and Sierra Hull records. Oh. And you see Sean Everett is this, I mean, he's the guy who did Alabama Shake Sound and Color. Mm. He's just a brilliant indie producer like that, yeah. who has that kind of gutsy, no holds barred devil may care attitude and mm. somehow gets these incredibly weird and funky sounding records mm. and on the opposite pole almost is gary Pachosa, who does <laughs> kind of sarah yaros stuff and and these mm. beautifully crafted impeccable uh, records and like he did the um i'm with her record that won yes uh, a grammy last year yes yes they're just gorgeous delicious bits of audio <laughs> he does natural and acoustic instruments beautifully and so you kind of got to decide which side of the divide you fall if you're gonna go with them i mean sean everett had his fingers in the beck record as well okay but he only did some of it so i hadn't looked at the names i just kind of listened to the things but seeing that i now realise that i am very much Team Sean Everett. (laughs) I thought you might be. (laughs) Oh, absolutely no doubt. How about you? It was really difficult. Okay. I mean, I think of the two records that each of them are kind of most associated with here in this list, I thought there was a stronger one and a weaker one, technically Mm. or sound wise. I thought the Devon Gilfillian record was better from an engineering perspective for me than the Brittany Harrod one. Okay. And the Sierra Hull one was better than the Katie Pruitt one. Okay. So for me, it was between Devon Gilfillian and Sierra Hull. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. and the sierra hull is a beautiful thing to listen to mm-hmm. gorgeous bass and the clean echoey guitars and the fiddle and mandolin and vocal sounds to die for i mean i almost thought why isn't this in the best bluegrass records it's a hundred percent bluegrass that but yeah no there was definitely some crossover it all sounded beautiful it was totally up to the level that i thought yeah this is why i like listening to gary Pachosa productions <laughs> okay so if you had to winnow it down which you do Mm, Because I am now fully confident that our answers will not be the same. Okay, right. So I want to get your thoughts. Okay, well... On the other side, Mm. the Devon Gilfillian record has that slightly bloated sound that I associate with that sound and color record by Alabama Shakes Mm. that is so hard to pull off without it just sounding broken. Mm. And it's a fabulous vocal production. The music's great. And it's a classic case of the engineering serving the art, Mm. not serving some kind of preconceived conception of what good audio should sound like. And he did that thing that engineering so rarely does, Hmm. which is get over itself. It transcended the engineering to the point where it was clear the art was more important and the engineering almost felt like an extension of the art. I think I know what you mean. And so I think I have to come down for Devin Gilfillian. It's so funny you say that because... I have chosen a different record for the same reason. Oh, right. <laughs> so I assume it must be the Brittany Howard. It's the Brittany Howard. Yeah. Because it is such a messy sound, mm. which is so very hard to pull off without it sounding broken. Yeah. But through it all, I can hear the middle of the mix loud and clear. Yeah. And I don't know how. It's like watching <laughs> someone singing in the middle of a tornado and catching every single word. Yeah. And it's... This controlled explosion and... More than any of the other albums on the list, I had just never heard that done before. I've heard plenty of mess, but I've never heard mess quite that tidy. And there was a track on there, I think it was um History of Repeats yeah. that has my favourite indie kick drum sound of the year. Oh yeah. It's fabulous. We <laughs> could kind of open and flappy, it was still so good. Speaking of the best drum sounds in the world though, mm. the first track on Women in Music Part Three oh, right. has a snare sound. Which someone needs to go sample and then email them because <laughs> it, it's going to go on everything I ever do. Unabashedly and unashamedly. Okay, so we're both Team Everett, clearly. Absolutely. So we're going to be gutted when Beck wins again, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, I would be happy if you won that one. To be honest, I think they're both really gorgeous bits of production. I'd be happier if I won it, but there we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so finally we get to producer of the year. King of kings, Lord of lords. Now, I have to be completely straight here. There are no obvious choices for me. Oh, no. And of the 29 productions that are name-checked here as part of the list of these five producers, I have only heard the Miley Cyrus Midnight Sky song. I was amazed, especially given that this was the last one I came to because I I looked at it and saw I didn't recognise any of the tracks where I was like, okay, fine, I'll do the rest of them and then I'll be familiar with most of this music. Nope. Now I'm pretty committed to ridiculous quixotic follies as part of this podcast (laughs) but I am not 29 records committed (laughs) so at this point I just threw up my hands and thought okay how am I going to decide this without listening to any of the records How did you do it? I I haven't decided yet honestly I'm I'm still thinking I was hoping you might have some suggestions (laughs) whether we need to set up a Project Tea break dartboard Well I have my decision Oh you do? Because I I had a similar feeling when I reached this one Yeah You know I did in. I thought, well, if I listen to one track by each of them, Mm. but it just wasn't enough because there was too much of, Or is it the artist? Is it the producer? I I, I couldn't get any real feeling for it. So I decided that each of these producers has managed to get nominated on the basis of this work that they've listed underneath. Mm. Therefore, if you needed two songs to get nominated, presumably each of those songs is only half as good as the person who got (laughs) with one song. Oh, I see where this is going. <laughs> You're following the Phineas O'Connell model, I can see. I would like to announce as my deeply considered nominee for producer of the year, it's got to be Flying Lotus, who did it with one track. There's some of this <laughs> where no one else has less than, I don't know, seven? It's true. It seems to be such a power move of getting on this list mm. with a single track. It does actually make me want to go listen to it and see what all the fuss is about. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And yet, last year, Phineas O'Connell did it with the record that swept all the other Grammys, too. Right. But it's like Flying Lotus. I've never even heard of Thundercat. <laughs> I also had a fun experience when I was looking through this list and thinking of the people I knew, because I knew Jack Antonov and Dan Auerbach. Mm. I knew of Flying Lotus. Mm. I could kind of guess what Andrew Watt was up to. Mm. And then I looked at Dave Cobb. I thought, oh, I've not heard of him. I wonder what kind of music he does. <laughs> and I read... Oak Ridge Boys' Down Home Christmas. <laughs> I thought, I could take a pretty good guess at the kind of music I think that is. <laughs> I just want to know who it was on the panel who proposed this and what the general response in the room was like. Mm. I kind of love that it's there. Well, I mean, Pentatonix won a Grammy with a Christmas record, didn't they? Really? I think it was their Christmas record that won them the Granny, The, uh, the Granny Grammy. It won them a lot of <laughs> grannies as well, I bet. <laughs> huge, huge following among the octogenarian women. Yeah. Okay, so you're going for Flying Lotus. I think I'm going to make a safe choice. I think I'm going to go for Jack Antonoff. Okay. Because I don't think he's won yet. Okay. And he's done a bunch of Taylor Swift stuff. He's done a whole bunch of other stuff as well. And he has working for him Laura Sisk. Who's that? One of the unsung heroes of pop production. Oh, really? She does vocal recording, comping and editing and processing. She's absolutely brilliant at it. Oh, interesting. Secret weapon there. I've got insider knowledge. Of course, if you're playing along at home, you can actually sit there smugly knowing who won and call us both idiots. (laughs) as if you needed any excuse now might be as good a moment as any to say we're on twitter at (laughs) twitter.com forward slash pstb tweets and facebook at facebook.com forward slash pstb books and if you want to email us abuse you can do it at (laughs) tea break at project break.com Some of the face palms of the month, they've been focused. They've been dedicated face palms of a certain type. Mm. But now and then, a face palm opportunity arises that provides something of a a buffet. This is true. A smorgasbord. How Christmassy! <laughs> how appropriate. Yeah. So, um, one of the ways in which I earned my tea break this month mm-hmm. was that I've been working on a virtual concert for a choir I used to sing with. I was hoping this would come up. Yes. And this basically involved them recording themselves in various different ways mm. and sending me all the tracks to kind of piece together into the final productions that they then did a kind of a video thing around after the fact huh. and built this really quite cool hour-long online concert at this thing. I did five or six numbers for it. As someone who's watched it, it was, it was bloody brilliant. I'm not ordinarily a huge fan of online concerts, but this one absolutely rocked. Well, thank you. I'm glad you liked it. I did. And yeah, it did well for them, actually. They've had a lot of interest. And I just had a call from them the other day saying that they've managed to secure some kind of government funding grant as well on the back of it. So that's all good news for them. Ah, excellent. But this whole project has been facepalmtacular. Oh, really? (laughs) On a number of different levels. Mm -hmm. Uh, The first level is the more usual Project Studio Tea Break facepalm (laughs) level. The facepalm of despair when you're facepalming yourself having done something (laughs) stupid. Okay. And in this case, it's a perennial facepalm for me oh yeah it's that professional optimism one has Mm. when they came to me with the idea of doing this and said, can you help out here? Mm. And I went, yeah, I kind of think I can. And they asked me to quote for it. (laughs) So I kind of jotted down all the time. And I I was doing my best, you know. They sent me some sheet music, and we talked through the options. And they sent me one of the productions, you know, the classic thing where each singer multi-tracks their own part at home. Okay. And then I edit all those tracks to piece the arrangement back together. I mean, inevitably, when you're recording multi-tracking like that, it's impossible to get things as in time and in tune enough as you'd like. Because... All these singers are not used to singing on headphones and all this kind of stuff. So there was lots of technical stuff. What were they singing to when they multitracked? To start with, the choir conductor put together MIDI arrangements of the arrangements that they were going to do. Okay. With that MIDI arrangement, he then created a video that had the sheet music showing as it went through the timeline for whichever page he was on. Wow. And then he, in a kind of a half transparency over it, conducting in time. That's brilliant. So that the person could listen to the MIDI parts, see him conducting, see the sheet music, and sing along with it. hmm and then what he'd do is he'd get the strongest singers, one per part, mm. get them to do a single run-through, then they would edit those ones to get those fairly tight, and then everyone else would then sing along to this like ensemble. What a great idea. That's a streamlined method. And then once all those parts were assembled... Then they'd send all that to me and then I'd have to try and fit it all together with the levels and the tuning and all the kind of stuff. Mm. So I did a chorus section of one of these six-part choir arrangements. Mm. And I knew it would take a bit of time to do the editing. I mean, that kind of stuff is just time-consuming. Yeah. So I did it. And then I kind of factored out how much that would that would mean across the whole thing yeah. and quoted for the time and thought, yeah, I think that's a pretty safe estimate. Good. That sounds perfect. Let's move on. A, a story of success. Not normally what we do in this section, but I'm, I'm very happy for you that it went quite so well. <laughs> and unfortunately, oh? I kind of assumed there'd be like six to eight parts per arrangement and that you'd have like four or five voices per part, mm-hmm. as it had been on the one I'd done the little mock-up off. And I just happened to overlook that they'd also included as one of the songs Circle of Life from The Lion King. Okay. In the most impossibly unmanageable arrangement (laughs) it's the kind of arrangement that could only have been done by someone who is planning to multi-track it all themselves right there's no way this thing would ever fly in a live kind of situation it's just too complicated really oh okay it's not only got eight choir parts Mm. it has a semi-chorus of eight parts in addition to that it has two lead vocals two lead harmonies Mm. and then just to add insult to injury there's drum parts in it as well. It oh, wow. <laughs> so part of the thing that made the economy of scale work with the more traditional, like, multi-part choir arrangements mm. is that when you get three or four voices singing the same part, it's a lot less critical how you edit them. Okay. Because if there are kind of chorusy crossfades and stuff, those all get lost in the chorusy sound of the four voices together. Right. So you can edit quite quickly. Mm. But this, of course, it was often like one or two people per part. Of course, because it's so huge. So in the end, I had like 45 tracks of vocals for this arrangement. Goodness me. Most of which I had to edit quite in quite detail because they were all at some point quite exposed. <laughs> so it's like, oh no! <laughs> it kind of doubled my time for that particular song. It's like oh, face palming the whole time. It's like, how why did I not see this coming? That's so much. And then the drums, and then the fact that i was having to do a couple of lead vocal parts as well and they always take the lion's share of the work which is a huge thing by itself yeah no and any lead vocal part is particularly when you're trying to get them to cut through against 50 other vocals <laughs> <laughs> and it's a well-known mixing fact that voices actually hold a very similar place in the um, frequency spectrum to voices <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of overlap, actually. Yeah. Yeah, which makes that job even harder. So, that was the first face palm mm-hmm. that I frequently have when over optimistically quoting for jobs. <laughs> Then there was the facepalm of incredulity. (laughs) Yep, yep. Which is the one when they, they said, well, most of the tracks, what we've done is we've recorded them like this one part at a time and we're gonna fit them together. I thought, yeah, I kind of roughly know where we're sitting on there and what to do. Okay. But then they said, well, there's another track that we've done where we all got ourselves together, socially distanced in a big warehouse. And then we set up a pair of microphones, kind of at the front, Mm. but they're quite distant sounding. Mm. So we got everyone to switch on their phone and record themselves on their phone at the same time. Oh, undeniably interesting. So they recorded the whole choir individually multi with their mobile phones. I mean, that's a kind of awesome setup. It is. If you asked me if I wanted to have like an XY pair for the room and then every single vocalist to have like their own spot mic, <laughs> sounds awesome. But the thing about it is that you can't hold those mics steady. Right. They're all moving around. Right. I mean, they were trying to hold them steady. You could see, because they videoed the whole thing as well. That was part of the show. I mean, my face part of incredulity was like, well... What do I do with this? I had to say to them, I can't even tell you whether this is going to work or not. (laughs) I can try and do something with it. And I can try it, yeah. if you had come to me and said, we're thinking of recording like this, I would have gone, whoa, there. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. Yeah, none of this. None of this. (laughs) How was it? I'm so very curious. How was it to mix? It wasn't a facepalm of incredulity. It was actually a phantom facepalm in that it turned out to work. Okay. Surprisingly. Well, hey. All the kind of the things you would expect, the phase going all over the place, Mm. actually didn't matter that much. That's incredible. If you treated them like the spot mics in an orchestral performance or something, and used mostly the main mics, with all the phone mics just providing a bit of extra definition... It worked remarkably well. I was honestly surprised. It was this vanishing face bomb that didn't materialise. That didn't actually come to pass. I mean, it does make me wonder about that as a standard way of recording choirs or of recording... Even, like, amateur orchestras? Yeah. And actually, it reminded me of something that Daniel Lamoir said. you know the producer Daniel Lamoir? I do. Well, he was a big fan of those little handheld Zoom recorders. Right. He just liked the fact that you could have a bunch of those in a bag, mm. and the moment anyone decided they wanted to record something, you could just put them up, press record on them, yeah. and then sort it out later. <laughs> the thing is, I think that the fact that it's a choir sound, mm. and that slight chorusiness is an inherent part of a choir, yeah. I think it's the kind of thing that might not work if it were a percussion or <laughs> Okay, yeah. Yes. Or something else. So I wonder whether it's just because it is what it is that it worked. I was pleasantly surprised. It made me think, you know, that concept that I'd previously seen Daniel Lamwell talk about and kind of scoffed <laughs> high-handedly about, that maybe I should have realised that he's made lots of hit records and I haven't. The sorted-out-later attitude is one very well suited to people who employ other people to sort it out later. <laughs> More than to people who themselves would have to sit down with, you know, 12 Zoom recorders yes. and remember that you didn't do a clap at the beginning and have to try and sync them on a, I don't know, like a violin note. From the cough that someone did at the beginning. Yes, exactly. Like, that sounds the opposite of heavenly. But there were plenty of facepalms of incredulity that were actually real facepalms. Okay, that actually came good. But to some extent, it feels almost unfair facepalming about it because... They're all choral singers who don't really have any technical experience. Mm. And it reminded me the stuff that we think of as being so straightforward and so easy as audio engineers right. isn't actually straightforward. And if you're not used to it, it you can get any of those bits wrong. I can totally hit you for six. Basically, every possible thing that could be done wrong with vocal recording <laughs> pretty much happened. <laughs> so you could compile an exhaustive list now. <laughs> Even though I did a Zoom session beforehand, and they'd recorded it, and they had it. Even though we'd done that, yeah. we still had people using their little phone earbud microphone to record their vocals on. Oh. But even when they were using a proper mic, they did one of the classic mistakes. I mean, you'll feel the pain here, because you'll remember. What was the mistake that every year in that Hills Road A-level class, people used to do with that Rode NT1? Oh, gosh. Point it the wrong way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's because there's that gold dot on one side of it. That isn't that visible? Yeah. There's a certain percentage of all people who start recording for the first time who sing into the back of a side address condenser mic. <laughs> and you get on Zoom <laughs> with them and there's this like moment of realisation. They go, oh! <laughs> it's like... That's amazing. It's a lovely thing. It's a beautiful thing. Although, again, as we've said, speaking as someone who's done longer of a vocal session than I'd like to admit with what I thought was the vocal mic completely dead and a dulcimer mic on the other side of the room picking up the vocal. (laughs) Convincing myself that this sounded fine because look, the mic was in a good position, the room was well set up. I tell you, this project ticked all the boxes. That's exactly what someone did. Oh, really? They plugged in this USB condenser mic they'd bought specially for the thing and then forgot to select it in the DAW and so they recorded from the little PCs on board mic. Right. And it was sounding really, really roomy and yeah. loads of PC fan noise on it. And we were trying to work out what it was. We eventually got to the bottom of it. Yeah, It seems so obvious to us as audio engineers to listen to the thing before you send it off. <laughs> but the number of the tracks I listened to and I thought, how could you have listened to this before you sent it to me yeah. and not noticed that it was massively distorting or covered in noise yeah. or just roomy as anything? It sounded like you were standing on the other side of the room or one person managed to bounce it with the backing track mixed in with it. The misapprehension, the very understandable misapprehension that I come against sometimes is that I will receive a track which is horribly distorted or incredibly roomy or something mm. and it will come with it a request that they look forward to me cleaning it up. <laughs> And yeah. it's explaining that there are things that I'm happy to clean up, things which could be cleaned up, but I don't have the time or energy. Yeah, and things which, so far as I'm aware, like a massively clipped vocal take, I, there's you know, not not for all the tea in China and all the golden uh, the gold shop. Um, could I clean that up? That is. Broken yeah. <laughs> past any repair. Well, after the first song that I put together, I think it was Shut Up and Dance. Oh, I like that one. I basically wrote a whole list of various different people's names and say, yeah, yeah, you need to put a duvet behind you. You need to stand a bit closer to the mic. You need to right. use a pop shield or whatever. Mm. I mean, in a way, it almost makes me feel sorry for people who aren't technical being thrust into this situation. I mean, it's quite a thing, isn't it? And you suddenly remember seeing all these recordings, how many ways there are to take a wrong turn. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, goodness me. I think you ought to compile them. Yeah. Now that you've had every single one exposed to you, it should be... um your Job to curate this list. Well, I had a conversation with one of the guys from the choir after the concert had all been finished and everything. And yeah, he came in and he said, Yeah, the thing about this project is that it's really highlighted things that we didn't hear before because we were sat in part of a choir. Uh. <laughs> it's like suddenly when they hear themselves right on the microphone on their own, they're like, Oh, I didn't realize I was singing that little bit off. <laughs> I did that, yeah. Oh, goodness, mate. <laughs> Heaven protect us from recordings of our own voices. Oh, god, yeah. Oh, you've got to edit them. God save you. <laughs> <laughs> and where can people go and find this well if you want links to all our grammy picks mm. and also this virtual choir concert then head over to projectstudioteabreak.com and sign over to the 100 spam free and 100 nonsense filled mailing <laughs> list we honestly we tried to fit spam in there but there was just too much nonsense no room it was a losing battle in the end <laughs> okay john Picture the scene You are on Iceland's idyllic eastern coast <sighs> Surveying the peaceful town of Djupivogur. I think I know what this is A pensive, red-throated diver Rearranges its feathers as it bobs around on the bracing surf Oh, yes But hark Wake up and smell the toast! <laughs> 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 Do you mean <laughs> Do you mean to tell me that the innocent, unblemished <laughs> occupants of this lovely little coastal town were subjected to that? I, there's more. Oh, no. I recorded that at half past eight in the morning, and the video was returned to me less than an hour later. So, accounting for the time difference, that implies that it was broadcast into that serene environment at about 8 a.m. in the morning. Oh, my goodness, me. <laughs> Are we going to become a controversial podcast all of a sudden? Are we going to be boycotted by all of Iceland? Although I have to say, the fact that it was turned round so quickly, and it seems improbable to me that they would broadcast that at 8 o'clock in the morning in in Iceland, (laughs) and listening to the sound quality, I am a little bit suspicious there's some fakery going on. Oh, do you think so? I don't sound quite believably coming out of a speaker there. There's sort of only one way to know for sure. At a time when travel is a more acceptable thing. (laughs) I can think of worse ways of spending mornings than with you and a warm cup of coffee, recording something on our phones and just standing next to this bloody speaker and waiting. No, what we would have to do is we'd have to record an episode Mm. where I was here and you were in Iceland standing by the speaker. (laughs) Hey, it's a long shot, but if we have any listeners living anywhere near... (laughs) Yes, then please let us know. We would love to call you in live. Calling all Icelanders. That would be an incredible start (laughs) to 2021. Now, all this talk of Icelandic tourism Mm. brings me to my jam for this month. Oh, yeah. I understand and appreciate that 2020 has been a tough year for all of us. Fair to say. And to be honest... I think you and I and all of our listeners, John, could do with a holiday. Seems fair. Bit of a break, a chance to get away, explore some new places, experience the thrill of travelling again. creeping dread coming upon me. (laughs) (laughs) Here at Project Studio Tea Break, we aim to serve. So I've arranged a special international package tour. Goodness me. So buckle up, close your eyes and enjoy the trip. Wow, okay. I I feel dizzy. Well, I mean, no surprise. Because you've just had a whistle-stop tour of Australia, Bangladesh, Scotland, Senegal, Russia, America, England, and Italy. Mm-hmm. You've heard flying foxes and kittywakes. Mm-hmm. You've been sightseeing, swimming, ice skating, and playing tennis. I am all about efficiency, Mike, but I have to concede I don't feel much more relaxed than when I hadn't yet taken that holiday. Well, if you want to take these at a more relaxing pace, mm. I can recommend to you a podcast oh, yes. from Audio. Video engineer Ellie McDowell Mm. and it's not only brilliant because each episode is a several minutes recording from one of these locations. So you can just hop around the world by browsing episode to episode, but it was also started as a joke. Oh, what fun. She was approached by some podcast platform or other, mm. basically saying, uh, would you mind producing some content for us? Um, for free, obviously. Um, and maybe in a couple of years, there might be some ad revenue and that might pay for one episode. <laughs> and so she was just thinking, well, pff, how could I effectively make a podcast for no effort? For the effort that they deserve from that request. And so the rhetorical question she asked herself was, well, pff, how about I just record myself standing in a field without talking and then just up? It without editing. <laughs> and then she did. <laughs> and she asked all her audio engineer friends to do the same and send it to her. Oh. Just before lockdown hit. Right. And so all of a sudden, she's putting out one or two episodes a day of all these places that people would like to be and can't go. Yes. And of people being outside in these places and bustle. Yeah. Much missed bustle. What makes it even more close to my heart mm. is that given how it started, what do you reckon it's called? Oh. Standing in a field, not talking. Close. <laughs> um, field recordings. Oh, God. That's <laughs> rather good. And it's just great because you can take yourself into a different place for a few minutes. That's wonderful. And there are all sorts of fabulous recordings. I mean, there are so many little special treats there. Mm. One of my favorites is Inside a Hollow Tree in Russia during a Windstorm. <gasps> Check it out. <laughs> excellent isn't that fabulous the minute we are done with this the first thing i'm doing is popping that into reaper mm. slowing it down to 50 percent, and selling it to a horror video game company and, <laughs> and then just like retiring <laughs> on a boat made of caviar that's a great noise i also love the one from um a pigeon coop in brooklyn lovely and how, how long are these episodes these recordings on average well it depends they're usually several minutes mm. and often you can basically hear all you know all those noises you normally edit off when you record something yes you know the noise of you like putting the mic in the right place and making sure things aren't falling over and pointing the, that's all kind <laughs> of on there on both ends of it oh that's so cool and some of them are like people who've taken walks places and you hear them walking through the snow or something it's, it's just lovely that's brilliant so yeah there's lots of really cool things now i know what you're thinking yeah. Why don't we record something for her? Oh, you're absolutely right. There was one Berlin one, but I didn't see any Munich ones or Alpine ones. There's like one from Switzerland, a lovely one in a forest with like bees buzzing around. Oh. And there's also one from one of the big indoor lakes in the CERN research station in Switzerland. Oh my goodness. There's so much really good stuff in there. This is such a treasure trove for any audio nerds. But my highlight of the entire collection, it's 12 and a bit minutes of two kittens purring. Oh. I <laughs> could oh. <laughs> oh, just listen to that on repeat all day. Oh my word, what a wonderful sound. I've officially melted. I'm going to subscribe immediately. Field recordings, was it? Field recordings, yes. Yes. Once again, it is time to say farewell. To our our breakettes Out there in Radioland That sounds like a kind of Backing singers group Doesn't it? Yeah it does of it John Whitten and the breakettes Doesn't sound like a successful group But <laughs> speaking of success though I am honoured At this time of nostalgia And remembrance That we are sponsored mm. By the real Penny Whistle Company Oh wow Not everyone will know That I am a keen whistler I think they are wonderful instruments mm. They're like less poncy recorders <laughs> But the real Penny Whistle Is bringing you a chance to remember how things used to be in a simpler time a kinder world Mm. where among other things penny whistles cost a penny yeah and that's where their name came from yeah and it's how (laughs) things ought to be and they thought to themselves well these days you could find yourself spending five ten pounds for a cheap penny whistle it's just ridiculous so what they have done is that they have produced Penny penny whistles, which I think is incredible. And before anyone gets to wondering, they are high quality materials: mm. metal body, plastic mouthpiece. Yes, and they're available in several different keys. Um, they're available in D seven, D eight. Okay, nothing below seventh octave um, currently out, which presumably is a large part of how the cost is kept. <laughs> I was about to ask <laughs> exactly where it is. <laughs> um, also, not not a great number of holes for coverage Would it be fair to say mm. that this? This is the ideal stocking filler. Or even um, one it, might say The ideal cracker gift You know what You're pretty close Yes The mouthpiece really does Dominate the form mm. But but we thank them very much For spreading the Christmas cheer with us Stocking filler is hard Only that it would take A great many of them To <laughs> fill uh, You know Even a sports sock At this stage Well I mean John if you're looking for something To fill a stocking with I have some great suggestions Oh yeah I do yes Even better than Tiny Tiny <laughs> Tiny penny whistles Oh yes Well Our very own errol the editing chipmunk (gasps) has sponsored his own project studio tea break mug incredible which says errol is listening on it and he looks (laughs) like he's listening too from the picture I have seen this It is a horrifyingly Attentive chipmunk If you want to know What mood a chipmunk Is most horrifying in It is attentive He's wielding those scissors With meaning Mm -hmm. With intent Intent is absolutely the word And I think that would fit In a reasonably sized stocking I think if it doesn't Your stocking is the one With a problem It's a kind of rather A scroogey stocking I would say Where could someone land Such a precious piece? Well It's good that you asked Because if you head over To projectstudiotebreak.com Slash merch You can get to our brand new merch store where you can get such wonderful items as the errol is listening mug now we appreciate that you are listening to this on or after january the first and you might be thinking i've given the people in my life plenty well first of all Mm. no you haven't but also (laughs) it's time to take something for yourself i think so it's 2021 you've got to be looking after yourself specifically with our branded merchandise, Mm. it seems to me. And I also think that people with birthdays in early January are often neglected (laughs) during the Christmas period. They truly are. They feel they've had a raw deal by distant aunts only giving them one present for the two occasions. It's incredible that any of us grow up to be handsome talented gods at all um really given the odds stacked against us the way that they are and there are also lots of the usual extra goodies on the project dirty break patreon site that is absolutely true what do patreons have to look forward to this month this month we have a selection of alternative hinges Wait, did that not make the main? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It was worthy of the main, but we just had too much stuff to get in that issue. Also, I had to cut out the prehistoric flatulence in Western Europe and many, many more things about which we only know one thing. We did find a goodly good number. But we also have a special New Year's gift for you, the listener. Incredible. Because there were another four Grammy nomination categories that we talked about. So if you want to hear us wrangling about best bluegrass album and best improvised jazz solo, then you can hear that for free. (laughs) on our patreon feed at patreon.com slash project studio tea break and finally my daughter has also said Mm. that she feels hard done by that errol has not been featured on the podcast in a long time i think i did accidentally swear a couple of times during the grammys bit i was going (laughs) to apologize for that off air so i'm inviting errol onto the podcast to have his say so over to you errol And with those (laughs) wise words, we bid you farewell, dear breakers. Until next month, ta-ra, bets (laughs) Ta-ra!